0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Real Life Oscar Challenge. As always, I'm one of your hosts, the most charming one, I guess, Mike Levito. (laughs) Wow. A little self-aggrandizing, whatever. And I'm joined, as always, by... The least charming one, Lars (laughs) Emerson.
1: And the only female one, so you can actually know what my voice is, (laughs) Kathleen Levito. (laughs) Uh,
0: that, That is true. Um... Yeah, today we're going to do part two of the 2011 Academy Awards Oscars, as the colloquially known as. Um, In our first episode, we talked about The Artist, The Descendants, Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close, and the, The Help, and Hugo. And this episode, we'll be talking about Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, The Tree of Life... And War Horse, War Horse, as most of you know it by. Um, so let's let's just get started with uh, with Midnight in Paris, directed by Woody Allen, written by Woody Allen, starring uh, Owen Wilson, Rachel McAdams, Kathy Bates, Adrian Brody, Carla Bruni, fun fact, Carla Bruni, married to Nicolas Sarkozy, former president of France, uh, Marion Cotillard, and Michael Sheen. Uh, Midnight in Paris is the story of Owen Wilson's character. He's an American author named Gil Pender. Um, he's kind of like a Hollywood hack screenwriter, at least he considers himself to be. He's working on a novel. He's visiting Paris on the invitation of his fiance's family because his uh, future father-in-law, his company, just merged with a French company there. And, you know, he, he's very into the art and culture of the city, whereas uh, his future family members are all very sort of they're, – they're not really big into France and they don't really get it. And one night, he sort of... I agree. Yes. <laughs> uh, he he sort of drunkenly uh, wanders the streets of Paris, and then a uh, old Peugeot car picks him up. And all of a sudden, he's talking to people like Ernest Hemingway and Pablo Picasso and Gertrude Stein and F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald. And he's basically found that at like midnight, he's able to sort of go back in time to the 1920s, his idealized period of France. And he falls in love with Marion Cotillard's character. And he has to kind of decide... You know, does does he want to live permanently in this, this, this sort of fantasy world back in time? Or does he want to uh, figure out what to do with his, his life in, in 2010? Um, they say the, the year takes place in. Uh, Lars, this was your first time watching. What did you think of it? It was. So uh i really adored this movie michael i'm not not gonna lie i thought it was witty i thought it was smart i thought it was clever i thought it was everything a movie needed to be for me this year i don't know why i'm talking like a, a sports guy <laughs> yeah um, um yeah i just think it was like a genuine delight um I I think everyone was really good in it. I don't usually like Rachel McAdams, but I actually like, really liked her. In this I movie. I don't I don't get you not liking her. I okay, think she's well. very talented and very attractive. Oh well, I don't <laughs> judge women based on how they look. But I okay. said talented first. Um, I don't know. She's never like done I it. For you me did years. it
1: actually. Yes, I did.
0: I said very talented and very attractive.
1: Oh, okay, you did. My bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we can literally go back to the tape. <laughs> <on> this. Um... <laughs> Uh, I just like everyone in this movie is really good. Like Michael Sheen is like so detestable. it's so funny to me. It's <laughs> like I like went to college with people like him, and it's just so funny to watch them get torn down. Um, as for like the plot, um, you know, it's good. I think it's a nice way to like uh, go into nostalgia and what brings meaning to different people's lives. And it's okay that not everyone finds meaning in what he finds meaning in. Um, but I also don't think it's okay to be ignorant. And I think there's some discussion there. Um, also, talking about white people problems. Can you imagine if, oh, yeah. if, if he was yeah. black and he got in that van? Oh, that's not going to go well. Uh, going back in time all those years. Uh, I was like, brief aside, I was like watching, I think it was like on John Oliver He was talking about like, there's a reason why Marty McFly isn't black. Yeah. It's like, it would have been a very different mm-hmm. story. Um, but instead it's like Owen Wilson going back in time going oh wow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so Owen Wilson privilege right there mm-hmm. um, yeah I I, I I just I like really I really just really liked it I thought it was like really well written I think like the portrayals of the like historical artists um, you know you've got Picasso you've got uh, Fitz, uh, yeah, Fitzgerald yeah Fitzgerald um, and uh, my favorite Hemingway. Hemingway. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, or he still should have been nominated for an Oscar. He's for just that such role. a drunk right. ass in this. It's yeah. so funny. Um, I, like, it's over the top, but I think that's, like, the point. Right. And it's, that makes it interesting and fun. I'll yeah. start there. Kathleen, I believe you have a dissenting view.
1: Um, I enjoy watching this movie, but it's like, I think, like, looking back on it now from, like, a day, two days ago when we watched it, I like it more. Mm. Um, uh, I think that, like, what shocked me was, like, how the characters were written. And I didn't think it was funny just because I thought it was just, like... Like, for instance, like, there's, like... The Americans, other than Owen Wilson, just hate France so much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, like... And I'm just, like... Like, what? Like, Paris isn't, like, an objectively beautiful city. So I really don't understand, like, where that, like, hate is coming from. And it's, like, not funny to me because it's, like... If they had, like pick something specific, but they're like, oh, I would never live here. And you're like, oh, you don't want to live in, like, a gorgeous location? Like, that is very strange. Mm. Um, I don't yeah. know. I just felt, like, off-put by those characters. And I thought that they were, for me, I felt that they were, like, for, like, the enjoyable level, like, I could, like, get get on board with them being, like, awful people. But, like, for just, like, how they were written, I'm kind of, like, I feel like that, that was a little heavy-handed. And I know it's a comedy, But I don't think it was, like, quite my taste to have that, like, just so, like, utterly, like, obvious. Or, like, how um, they start, like, accusing the maid of, like, having stolen (laughs) the fiancé's earrings, even though, like, Owen Wilson had taken them and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just, like, I didn't, like, get it, to be honest. (laughs) Like, I was just, like, I don't, like, get, like, why this has to be so absurd. Um, Especially because I don't feel like it added value to like owen wilson's character being the odd man out like i think he could have been an odd man out in a different way like he could have just been the one who wasn't as into. i don't know um but michael sheen character is fantastic i love michael sheen we recently rewatched all of the twilight movies which is not <laughs> something i particularly recommend doing but if you do do it michael sheen i was just reminded how much i adore him um so well, i don't know I- i'm kind of just like wishy-washy on this movie
0: I forgot he was in that. <laughs> I, I also never seen those movies, so I know I would know in the first place. But I, I, I agree actually with you, Kathleen, on the like family being like too over the top. It's like the point of this is like for, they all chose to go here, right? It's <laughs> not like Owen Wilson begged this entire family to come to France with him. They all ostensibly agreed. It's like why go to France if you're not gonna like see France? Mm-hmm.
1: And it's also I I
0: agree. They're just so unhappy to be there.
1: But they're also like enjoy. They they're willing to do certain things. Like they're willing to go out to dinner. They're willing to go to a wine tasting. And it's like, I don't I don't. What part of this do you hate? They're like, oh, if I never walk by another cafe again,
0: I'm like, like like, weak.
1: Like like I don't get it. Like have you seen a Starbucks? They're everywhere. Does that not bother you? But like these charming little cafes do. Like it was a very, like I didn't understand that.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a way to do it, like, a little more, like, subtly. And it's, like, the point is that they don't appreciate, like, the depth that he's seeing in Paris and, like, mm-hmm. his art and his writing. And the point isn't that they, like, hate this city. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point. And, like, there is, like, the like to me, like, the, the funny, like, the way they do that, it's kind of, like, it's over the top but also funny is when he's, like, <laughs> um, when, when the father-in-law is just like, I'm not a fan of their politics. No friend of the United States. Like that's funny, but then it's like Owen Wilson goes on more like things where he's like, Well, I think you have to be crazy to be like a right-wing Republican. It's like, yeah. Well, I might agree, but there's like it's like kind of like an unartful way to say that. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, I think they amuse me more than not, though. Yeah. Um, and I, and but but yeah, I agree that's maybe a little over the top. And I, I guess what is more. It might be, it might have been, I really like this movie, it might have been, like, a little more effective Owen Wilson's stance if he was, like, um, well, I guess one of the reasons I think Woody Allen might have done that is that, like, if Owen Wilson was being Owen Wilson and he was doing it in the face of, like, merely apathetic people as opposed to, like, hostile people, Owen Wilson might have become more annoying um yeah it serves to like aggrandize him right sure. yeah yeah it's easier to like make him the hero i guess yeah. but again but then also kind of the point is that like his nostalgia is in this place and like that whole theme of like and this is a, someone who like is sometimes prone to nostalgia and who also gets like very swept away whenever they travel like i always want to like live almost like sucks like i always want to like if i travel and i'm enjoying myself i was like i could like live here right like i've said that a lot of times um but yeah, this idea of, like, his nostalgia being displaced and the idea of nostalgia being, you know, this sort of... It gets reversed on him, where he thinks he's unhappy because he's living in the wrong time. When, in fact, he feels he's living in the wrong time because he's just dissatisfied. It's like nostalgia is a coping mechanism of dissatisfaction as opposed to the cause of dissatisfaction, necessarily. Um, and so there's kind of, like, a message of, like, you have to, you know, nostalgia is ultimately... Um, it's harmful in one way because it distracts you from trying to improve yourself in your life. But also what I think the implication is at the end, when he meets Leah Seido's character and they kind of like walk in the rain and talk about Cole Porter, it's like, Oh, you could also just meet someone who also likes the thing you like. And just like, maybe that'll make you happy. Stop trying to please people who, you know, you don't really like. You I can think. never move forward if you're stuck in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the other thing is like uh, with his fiance, I'm like, I don't, how do they end up together? I didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: They make no sense as a couple. Yeah. I hope she... I would gladly date her in this. <laughs> I, like, find her way more interesting than... Well, not interesting. Well, I don't know daughter, She. I'm think her... I would get along better with her than with... Other than, the, like, yelling at the housekeeper. I don't she know. also cheated never. on
1: her fiancé and then told her fiancé to get over it. Yeah.
0: No, you're yeah. right. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I, I... Never mind. <laughs> I take it back. Take it back. Yeah. Um... It is funny watching this. Did anybody else think of La La Land while they were watching yes, this all the time? I think I there think are like that. direct homages to it. In, La 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 Land. in La La Land. Yeah. The whole like Paris sequence actually. Well, which is really just an homage to an, an American in Paris. Oh, an homage. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but yeah, I definitely got that vibe where it's like he loves his art and he like needs to like right. save jazz. Yeah. And she <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and it, it made me be like, huh, maybe like <laughs> La, La Land's a little dumb. But like, I still really like La, La Land. I actually think that La, La Land is just. It's it, like this Midnight in Paris, I think, is the quiet part of La, La Land out loud a little bit more.
1: And La, 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 La Land
0: is better made. I, I just think they're very very—they're different. Yeah. La La Land swings, goes for more of a bigger swing, whereas Midnight in Paris is just more self contained. and Midnight Paris tries to like, do less.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Did you yeah. think of all Kathleen?
1: Um, more for visuals, not so much like it has that very like crisp quality to like the visuals, um, but like not. I didn't really draw those. I because I see it now, but I just didn't think about it at the time.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, Midnight in Paris. So I, I have a f- fun question for the group. Um, what what would your Midnight in Paris be if if you mm. were what what? What time period would you, like, want to go back? Now, like, I guess what would you want to go back to? This is another very white person question. Yeah. Um, but, like, where you, you get into a mysterious car and it drives you off somewhere, point in time, place. Like, what, what is that for you all? It kind of, like, two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um... I, I don't know. I might, anytime it, people ask me this question, I've like had conversations with people. Where it's like, what time period? If you could choose to live in any time period, where would you go? And I would be like, I would choose to go like as far in the future as possible. I guarantee it's going to be better than whatever is happening in the past. Well, let's say it has to be the past. No. Okay, let me <laughs> think about it. Kathleen, do you have an idea?
1: Um, I have like a few ideas. Um, and again, like this is like a white people privilege thing because like I I was going to ask like you guys like would you have. St- chosen to stay in like the 1920s Paris or what have you, would you have come back? Like is it worth it to you? But then I was like, I would definitely want to come back just for like race relations alone. Um right. and also as a woman, I wanna like God. I want the things that I'm allowed now. Um right, right. but I think that like the thing anywhere where like going out and dancing was like the activity that you could just easily do. And was not like club music. So that might be the 1920s because they were like listening to jazz music and dancing, or it might be like more in the 40s. Um, like a lot of old movies, they go out and have dinner and dancing and anything like that. I really love just that idea that I can go and listen to a live band and like dance. Um, that's, But it's not like rock, it's not like techno, it's whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That is very attractive to me. So anything like that. Also like 40s, 50s, I really like the fashion, um, so I would have gone back for the fashion.
0: Can I choose the 90s? Sure. <laughs> Even though I was alive. But can I have been, like, a 10-year-old? Or no, 10, can I have been, like, a 20-year-old in the 90s? Sure. Okay, <laughs> I really don't want to go very far back. And Maybe can... I'll be a cowboy. No, I want to be a cowboy. Okay. Do I get to choose my job in the past? What are the rules? No, you don't have to. I don't have to. Choose a job. But you can. Can I? You can. Oh. Oh, can I be president in like <laughs> I don't know.
1: 2019?
0: Can I be a cowboy president? Uh sure. Perfect. That'll be me in the eighteen that, eighties. Interesting combination. Um so within like the twenty-year span where like three presidential assassinations happened, you want to be president. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be a vice president first. Okay. I'll be the cowboy <laughs> vice president, and they'll be like, "Hee haw But they won't shoot me because I'll be a cowboy, you know. They're That's scared, right. You'll they're shoot scared them. Of a, uh, the the yeah. Colorado kid. Right. I, I think it. we have a screenplay going <laughs> yeah. here. Um, I I was so I was also thinking like I so I wrote a letterbox review for this movie, and I came up with seven possible place times oh, and places. So so now this is why you ask. Um, I, I won't go through all of them. But the one, so I, like. There's one that I was technically alive for, and one I was not alive for, one I was technically alive for was like New York in the early two thousands. Nine eleven. Well, yeah, that would suck. But um, like, I would I would love to be like a part of the scene that were like that, like the strokes and like Interpol, and, like the AAS came out of, like that whole meet me the bathroom like Manhattan early scene. Um, I think would be pretty cool. Um, That, or, like, the Pacific Northwest in, like, the 50s or 60s, when, like, the garage rock boom was, like, happening, and to just, like, be a part of a band or, like, hang out with a band that just has, like, one regional hit that ends up, like, touring around and, like, possibly getting a big record contract would all just be, like, really cool. Um, Most of mine are, like, music-related, but... I don't want to be German when the wall fell, but, like, on the cool side, (laughs) on (laughs) the Western side. Yes. That would be a cool moment to at least be around for. True. Sure. Okay, Midnight in Paris. Well, it was nominated for our direction at one best original screenplay. Nomin- Woody Allen's nominated best director, and it was, of course, nominated for best picture. Uh, let's move on now to Moneyball. Directed by Bennett Miller, written by Steve Zalian and Aaron Sorkin, story by Stan Shervin, based on the book of the same name by Michael Lewis, starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Robin Wright, and. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chris Pratt. Uh, So Moneyball is the story of Billy Bean, general manager of the Oakland Athletics, um, which is a small market baseball team who has just lost their three biggest stars to free agency. And he's trying to come up with a way to make the team competitive again without spending a lot of money. He ends up meeting Joan Hill's character, Peter Peter Brandt, um, who has this sort of uh, unorthodox way of scouting players rather than focusing on physical attributes and traditional stats like batting average and rbi and runs he wants players who get on base and therefore create runs and they sort of like embrace this um new fashioned way of evaluating players and building a team while clashing with the scouts and the manager Art how played by philip seymour hoffman who um is more they're more traditionalists and uh kathleen this was your first time seeing this movie what did you think
1: it's chill. <laughs> um, it's like there's like I don't know. Sports movies are a thing that like I'm always just like, man, eh, this is a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of like lumped them into one big category because I always like they just kind of like wash. they like a, eh. but I think I you'll find later that I rank this one pretty highly because I do think it's like a good telling of a story. I think it's too long. I think any scene in which his daughter is shown can be just axed, um, <laughs> especially any time that she's singing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's like I don't know. It's good. It's like I my one thing is this is not about what my opinion of the movie is. Like I don't understand why everyone was so against their way of like scouting because it seems L- pretty logical to me.
0: Luckily, you have a baseball now We're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, um, we'll
1: go on. Nah I don't know. I don't really have many opinions on this movie, honestly.
0: Yeah, so... Well, I agree with you about the daughter. What annoys me the most about the daughter... And, like, I understand why she exists. Like, she has to exist so that he makes the decision not to go to Boston at the end and stay in Oakland. Um, but it'd be cooler if he made that decision without her, I actually think. It'd be more of, like, a loyalty to the team. I, right. But I, think I didn't
1: even think about her. I just thought of a loyalty to the team thing. <laughs>
0: you missed the emotional part of the movie. (laughs) No, but what I think the point is, is that, like, Billy Dean's whole arc is that he was this really highly touted prospect out of high school, gets signed by the Mets, um, greatest baseball team of all time. And... uh, Uh, The Rockies? (laughs) Just kidding. uh, And um, he fails, right? He was was evaluated through traditional means. He was, like, a five-tool player. And he failed. Um, And so... What the point is is that like he is trying to redeem his playing career through his general management career. and that's like what I think scout says is, like you're just doing this because you were judged the old way and it didn't work, so you're trying to prove that they were wrong and you weren't wrong, right? Oh. Um, and he uh the 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 um, what am I trying to say? And so, like, yeah, but, like, the whole reason, the whole thing is that, like, the reason why the daughter makes sense and why it's better than we'll go to the team thing is because it's, like, he has to realize that there are more important things than winning in baseball. And he has to get over this sort of obsession of of, of winning and proving, the like, the, the baseball community wrong and, and learn to sort of accept what he does have, right? Because it's, like, he's disappointed, obviously, that the A's end up losing in the playoffs and don't, don't win the World Series. And he's like, "That's this is it. I'm finished. I'm done. And Jonah Hill shows him, like, the, the video of, like, the, like, really fat player who, like, has trouble running second base and doesn't realize he hit a home run and thinks he, like, tripped and felt and embarrassed himself, right? It's like, Brad Pitt's like, oh, I have to, like, learn to accept this incremental and very important accomplishment without diminishing it, even though I, I can still want more. But there's also, like, I don't have to, like, there there are other things that can satisfy me, I guess is why. Um, is how I read it. And as far as why everyone was angry at him, it's just because, like, A, he threatened to, like, put them out of business, right? And B, it's just, like, it's just, like, really irrational sports dude stuff, where it's like, well, yeah, well, you're all those nerds' numbers say one thing, but they never actually played the game, so they don't really know. They don't actually watch the games even though they do, so they don't really know, right? It's just, like, you know, it's it's anytime you have like a scientific or mathematical advance. There's always somebody being like, "Well, Germans clearly don't exist because you know why? Because you're making it up, right? Just people didn't didn't think it was real." And
1: yeah. Okay, I mean, I just like I don't know. I work in marketing, and it's like when we need people to buy our product. Like, obviously, you target them enough to be like, "Yes, this is someone who can purchase our product and will be interested in it," and then kind of from there on out. Which I guess would be the people who are like playing baseball already, and then from there on out, <laughs> it's like who's most likely to like put the money in, um, which would just be for me would be like okay, so who's most likely to score us runs?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know.
0: Right. Yeah. But this is like, but there were old stats, right? It's like, well, if you hit a home run, that's scoring a run. If you get an RBI, that's scoring a run. It's that yeah, people were ignoring. True. People were ignoring the getting on base part of that. You need get yeah. on base for those to be really effective. Um, which is my I don't know that much about sabermetrics and I'm not saying that I do but that's like the, the very like baseline version of that anyway what did you think Lars great question Mike <laughs> I love this movie I like movies like this about spreadsheets <laughs> I like movies about like there are multiple and... shots of spreadsheets in this <laughs> <I know. movie. laughs> and, and spreadsheets and I just like, I really, it's hard to do well. I do think it's hard to do. You can only show an audience so many clips of spreadsheets. And I think, um, obviously I think the big short does it better. It's Mm. like, it it takes very complex statistical and financial topics and like breaks them down in a personal way. That's what I think this movie was missing. Yeah. This movie doesn't really do that. I don't think any, the things going on in this movie are not as complicated. Mm. Um, but like, I didn't understand them, Mm. um, going into the movie so i think you could have had you know margot ruby in a bathtub telling you about <laughs> earned run averages or whatever How, um i do i like super jam with what you were saying like where it's like he uh you know he messed up and it's about proving was this a mistake by the people who chose him mm-hmm. or is it a mistake that he made um i like really like that that's mm-hmm. really good um yeah, I agree with the daughter. She could honestly not even be a character. And, and the most annoying part <laughs> is the song she sings that like gets them to stay, this movie takes place in like two thousand two. And the song she sings was released in two thousand nine, and it very much sounds like a song released in two thousand
1: nine. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even do that math.
0: Yeah. It's uh It's, it's Sarah Ver- Morales, right? No, it's it's Leica or Lenka. Oh, it's, no, it's called no. the show. But it sounds like a do 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 yeah. do, do, do do, which is like a very like late two thousands thing. It's not an early two thousands thing. Should have been she should have been singing like a Michelle Branch song or something. I don't know. Um, I also think this is a film about a changing America. Mm. It, it takes place. It, so it takes place literally in two thousand two. You said like two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, so that's one. Tur- that's a big turning point in America, right? It's like the internet is now becoming prevalent in how we do business. Technology is becoming uh, more prevalent. It's like, we're moving to a services economy um, and there's starting to be pressure on manufacturing jobs just because of uh, automation and trade liberalization in the nineties and early two thousands. And this movie is very directly about that, right? It's like your, your instincts are wrong. And it's like, you have to look at like the numbers. You actually have to learn a skill. Mm -hmm. You have to change. Um, The movie, of course, comes out in 2011, um, which is another huge turning point. It's like America is emerging from the Great Recession, uh, and a lot of these jobs are not going to come back, right? And it's – I think movies – this is like a big thing in like the 80s, which is my favorite decade for movies, but it's like – it's like man versus machine, right? And it's mm. like at the end of the day, the hero always says no to the computer. It's like Luke, turn off. Why'd you turn off your target computer? It's like, oh, I'm going to use the force, and it works, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like in '80s movies and '90s. In most movies, the person like issues the science and like just does their gut feeling, and they're the hero. Mm. Um, that's wrong and bad. That's a bad thing to teach people, right? Is it? There's nothing brave about that. It's actually very, very stupid. Unless it's Robocop, then you should. Yeah, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> or terminator Um, yeah well (laughs) i I more mean in like a a a statistical like data sense yeah Yeah. um and i think this movie turns that into like the opposite it's something you don't see a lot in movies is kind of what i'm saying it's like this is about the total opposite it's like you have to believe in this Mm. and like this is innovative and great and there's like something very exciting about this new way and i think that's emblematic of what america's going through in the 10 years between when this movie is set and when it comes out it's like there's a better way like you know mike and i talk about like bill clinton and al gore a lot this is a very like it's like yeah those old jobs are gone we got to move on we can compete in the real world we just have to like step it up and change ourselves it's like don't look to this like fuddy-duddy old guys sitting in a room just guessing where they want to send their product I don't know. I like it. Yeah. It's a great movie. I you like when the old guy is like, "Oh, it's a great sound off of that." He's wearing a hearing aid that's Yeah. Nice touch. Yeah. Um, I do um, That's interesting what you said, an economic analysis of Moneyball. Um, <laughs> it's a movie about scarcity and yeah. therefore a movie and, well, about and inefficiency. That's what the whole like yeah. sports analytics thing is like, it's finding inefficiencies. Um, yeah. The, I guess the the if I have like two critiques of this movie, it's that I feel like the players aren't enough of characters, and that's like a very underdeveloped part of it. Um, and there's like this one scene where like because Billy Bean talks a lot about how difficult it is to send someone down to like the minor leagues or to trade them, and there's scenes where they do that, and it doesn't really, it doesn't really like impact you because you don't really know who these people are. But I also like, do the scene where he's like teaching Jonah Hill how to like fire someone. Though. Yeah, it's like these like professionals. You just tell them. Right. Yeah. I like I like I, I, I like how it's not. I, I do kind of like that even though it is, like, statistically about the players, it's not about the players. Right. I kind of appreciated that. But I do think that, um, and see, that's, like, the criticism that, like, a traditional baseball person would have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think that, that the point is that, like, this actually is now elevating people like Scott Hatterberg, played by, Scott, by Chris Pratt, and, and, like, other players who wouldn't have a chance, giving them a chance. So there is something empowering about that. Um, the other thing, too, is that, like, from a baseball standpoint is, like, the A's actually, like, that year when they were... Like, they, they broke the record for consecutive wins by American League team. I believe Major League team in general. They also had some players who were just, like, very good in, like, a traditional sense and selected. Like, Miguel Tejada had, like, an MVP caliber year. Like, Barry Zito and Tim Hudson were, like, two best pitchers in the league that year. Like, there was, like, traditional baseball stuff at work. But, um, yeah. Still, I I, I I enjoy this movie. It's good. Like, you know, I think everybody who likes sports but who's not athletic is like, it'd be cool to be like a general manager of a team. And he gets you kind of like behind that curtain um, and seeing all of that. So, yeah, Moneyball. It was uh, nominated for editing, sound mixing, adapted screenplay. Jonah Hill was nominated for best supporting actor. Brad Pitt was nominated for best actor and was nominated for best picture. I do like Brad Pitt in this role a lot. He is. He's really good at this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jonah Hill's not bad in this movie either. Yeah, Jonah Hill's a good actor. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. What do, you, do you think Jonah Hill's a good actor, Kathleen? I
1: enjoyed Jonah Hill. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, that's from <laughs> War Dogs. Well, speaking of War, no, War Horses later. Um, uh, let, let's do The Tree of Life instead. Uh, directed by Terrence Malick. Written by Terrence Malick. Starring Brad Pitt, Sean Penn, Jessica Chastain, and Ty Sheridan. Tree of Life is ostensibly about um, a family, I believe in like Texas, somewhere in this, it is in Texas, in uh, the 50s, and sort of, I guess the, uh, I, I don't know, basically it's like the, the mom is very nice and sweet, and the kids, specifically Ty Sheridan, love her, and the dad is kind of harsh. Um, and, Firm but fair. <laughs> is harsh and kind of a dick and they don't like him. And also there's a lot of stuff about like the birth of the universe and dinosaurs and eventually, like it's not spoiling anything. It happens like within the first 10 minutes, the one kid's brother dies and we see Sean Penn in the future being sad about that and he envisions some weird heaven scene with his, his dead family members. Um, I'll, I'll start on this movie. I was expecting to hate it I I didn't hate it though it just I just ended up filing under like extremely not for me Um, this is like a beautiful movie visually but on some level it just I don't really I don't it seems like it's trying to be very profound and I just didn't really buy its profundity and at some level just watching these kids run around and be sad only became so while, while there's like this wistful philosophical things being said over it just was really only so interesting to me and I just don't, I just don't get it. And and like honestly, like I was so I was reading about like the birth of the universe stuff. The way they did it is like there's actually like, an artist who just like it was all like liquid, like he was just like pouring different dyes and stuff into liquid and then filming it like up close. It's very David Lynch. Yes. Um, and well, by David Lynch, by the way, apparently said he did not like this movie.
1: Oh really? Because I was He's saying
0: crazy. I was saying
1: saying to Milo that I'm like, this reminded me very much of season three of Twin Peaks.
0: Yeah. Well, that's kind of my thing. Baron Dave Lynch is like, look, he's like, I like the director. He's a nice guy. I like his other stuff. This is just like, he wasn't like, this sucks. He's like, this is just like not for me. Um, So me and David, it's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, I kind of like talking about like season three, like there's episode eight is the one with the nuclear bomb. Like that to me is like an experimental movie that I think made a point. And, and conveyed a feeling. This to me just confused me. And also, like, when, like, the end the end scene at the beach where it's like his mother and she's getting, like, draped with all this, like, stuff by all these other people to me it was just like, I'm like, can this just end now, please? Like, I'm getting absolutely nothing out
1: of it. It's very, like, Oedipus complexy. Is it It not? is.
0: It is. Yeah. It's very Oedipal. Um, hey. <laughs> anyway, what, what, what did you think, Kathleen?
1: Um, I guess same. Like, I was saying, like, Milo and I were saying that, like, it's very pretty. So mm-hmm. if you like a good, pretty movie, then perhaps I could do without any of the, like, birth of the universe cellular shit. Like, I don't really... Did, I hated it. I don't know if it's because I, like, sat through two semesters of, like, anatomy and physiology, and I'm like, I don't want to see, like, cells because I already <laughs> did that. Like, I don't know. Um But... I don't know. I didn't enjoy it. It felt very like, I don't know how much time either of you have spent on Tumblr, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> not not very little
1: back in my high school days. I like I never understood Tumblr, but I like went on it a lot because it's a lot of just like pictures and stuff. and I like I like Im- images and I' like stuff like that. So you would find these people's like Tumblr accounts that were just like, like quotes about being like either depressed or about being like an angsty teen, and then pictures of just like people in like flower fields or people just like very just like kind of like um small town America e. and you're like, where are you getting these screenshots from? Like who created these and how did they come to your life? It's like this it's like this movie is what does that like. It's, like, just all of these images that, like, create a sense of, like, kind of nostalgia that, but, like, that is useless, um, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. But it's just kind of one of those things that's, like, oh, it's a very, like, art student-y thing that I feel like people would, like, take and be, like, yes, without actually knowing what they're talking about.
0: It It did feel almost like it was like a stereotype of this kind of movie where there's just like random shots of birds flying over the sun and a field of sunflowers and a woman's hand going through the grass and like yeah. jellyfish in the ocean. Like it just that it just felt very like thrown in there. Like we will, like the other Terrence Malick movie we watched with the thin red line, which was also not my jam, but visually all that made sense because it was all about what was going on in that movie. Whereas this just felt kind of stream of consciousness. Um, uh. It's
1: also kind of, like, um, a little Lana Del (laughs) Rey-esque. Interesting. In that, like, I don't know, have you ever seen her Ride music video where she's, like, talking over it? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, have you listened to the new song she put out called, like...
0: Well, I haven't yet, but she's doing, like, a spoken word thing, right? Yeah,
1: so it's spoken word, and that's what it felt like of just, like, this, like, when, like, the, like there's two ways, like the way of nature and the way of grace, which I just, like, didn't agree with that quote. I thought that, like, in my opinion nature is different than what you said nature was but, like, whatever. Um, I don't, I just it was just kind of, like, an art piece just slapped up there and we're, like, marvel at it, bitches like, there was no, <laughs> like I don't know. What do you I think, Lois?
0: Um, so um, I, um, I, uh, uh, uh. I think this movie's like impossible to rate. I, I, I struggled to give it a star rating on Letterboxd, uh, where you can find me at Lars Emerson. Um, I, I, so I ultimately did not. I just mm. submitted a rating or a, a viewing. Um, but I read like a ton of Letterboxd v- reviews of this, a lot of which were like four, four and a half, five stars, because I couldn't find like a lot of negative ones. Mm. And I was like reading... And I did start to vibe with some of the stuff that people said. I'm not sure I agree totally, but, like, I got it. And it's, like, a lot of people were talking, it's, like, this is the closest that film has come to, like, touching God. <laughs> it was, like, kind of the sure. gist of a lot of them. And it's, like, I sort of actually get that. Mm-hmm. I get what they mean. Where it's, like, it's a very, like, ephemeral movie about, like, purpose, about, like, life. It's about, like, the tree, the tree yeah. of life. It's about, like, if, like, if a film were to get as close as possible to, like, God watching it, this one kind of makes sense, is, I guess, what they were going for. I sort of I sort of get that. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt and say, yes, God watched this movie. <laughs> um, and look, like, the shots of space, super dope. Mike said, it's really easy to make space look cool. I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. But, like, I really love that. I wish that was the other two hours of the movie. <laughs> um... I do think they could have dropped the uh, sort of weirder stuff. Like, I would have dropped the the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, they're inaccurate. Dinosaurs had feathers, <laughs> and these do not. Um, like, I would have... Dro- it, they looked weird. Like, I, did, I didn't mm-hmm. want, like, an animated character. I, I liked the like, the, like, fish and the, like, yeah. animals, like, learning to walk and, like, swim or whatever. And, like, the, like, super... Primordial shit. I don't like dinosaurs. It's like that's a step. It's they're too modern and too old. It's like they're not right. It's it's hard to do right in film form unless they're like slow, which they are on like Jurassic Park, Mm -hmm. and like they look more real in that. I don't know. You know what Mm I mean? Um, I also really did not like. I guess the protagonist is the kid. Yeah, he's like a little piece of shit. He sucks. He's like punching things and kicking things. And he, he reminded me of the kid in that Detroiters episode. <laughs> Where he's whacking, Where he's just the, whacking the mailbox. I was <laughs> so like, what he's doing in like, yeah. half of this movie is stuff like that. Um, why is this movie set in the 1950s? Why not? My, my, why? Why not set it in the present day and make the exact same movie? My because guess... His, oh,
1: go ahead. Well, then the brother couldn't die in presumably Vietnam. <laughs>
0: That's true. Okay, so make it. It does it make it make the brother die in Afghanistan or something? I don't yeah, know. So it's what's the point. I don't actually know. My guess is that Terrence Malick was probably like this age in the fifties, so that he just wrote what he knew. Oh, gotcha. Um, gotcha. And I, I don't know. I, I think there. It, it, it's sort of like because part of like Brad Pitt's character's whole thing, he he has this very sort of like. Um. He's very preoccupied with, like, status and wealth. Um, Is he? Yeah, well, I'm not sure I really... I I wouldn't call...
1: Oh, Brad Pitt. I was thinking Sean Penn. No, I Uh, think that... Well, you go, and I'll say what I say if it's different.
0: and, And I think it's easy, like, he's trying to... It's about sort of, like, him trying to... Brad Pitt is trying to reach the, this sort of, like, white picket fence idealized version of 1950s America. Hmm. And he, he feels it's sort of, like, rob from him and, and he's trying to sort of, like, he craves that kind of order and control of his life which is kind of, like, and even though he has, like, a very sort of, he's got this sort of, like, you know, it's implied he has this kind of, like, uh, manufacturing job. Like, he's an engineer at, like, a plant or something. And I, a lot of it, I think, is about just him trying to to reach that he, he feels like he's surrounded by sort of like perfection and success and he's trying to reach that state. And I think that just hits a little, it's easier to draw that in fifties America. What, what would you think Adeline?
1: I like, I guess I saw something similar, but I didn't like assign it specifically to the 1950s. I didn't assign it to like white picket America. I really just took it as like a, the big decision that kind of almost anyone has to make, when deciding how you're going to make money. It's like, do you, because I think like they set it up so that he feels Bradkitt's character, like wishes that he pursued his love of music. Did Mm -hmm. you pick that up? Like that he wanted to, he he wished he was a conductor or musician or whatever, Mm -hmm. but instead he chose like the stable job that was going to like be a sure thing and provide for the family and everything like that, which I think is like kind of like a thing that, I mean, I know that like, I grew up hearing those stories from like our parents and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it's just like, and especially they were in a time period where you're kind of pushed into like finance. Um, yeah. At least like where we grew up. Um, but it's like kind of a thing that like, I see a lot of people making that decision of like, do I like go after something that's a little bit less stable, a little bit less of a short thing, but like it's really where my heart is or do I like kind of go this more like traditional route. And I feel like, I I didn't see so much, like, as in, like, perfection, keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. I just saw it more as that, like, what do you go by? Like, what is, what do you commit yourself to, kind of? Um, And then I saw that, like, I don't know. And that's what I kind of felt like with him being very, like, um, with his sons being a lot more, like, uh, stricter and, like, That was not so much... I don't know. It just made me feel like he was trying to set them up for success. And he was Mm. just going about it in kind of... Like, not the best way. I didn't so much read it as in, like, he's striving for a perfection. Or he's striving for, like, a certain reality. It was just, like, that he made his choice. And that was kind of that.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of what I was trying to say. Where he... He, he, he's worried, I think, I, I guess what I, think, I feel like he's worried that he thinks he's worried about looking like for lack of a better word, trash. Is how I kind of read it. Um, and like less than. And so he uh, that, that's why he's kind of like hard on his kids, I guess. And also because he's kind of like he has like a dream deferred and, and all of that. This movie isn't really about him, though. Brad Pitt's kind of like the side character in this movie. But I think mean, f- it's. Well, oh, go ahead.
1: I feel like it's about him because I feel like his actions influence the feelings of the main character.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's about sort of like the push and pull. Like, Brad Pitt's supposed to be the state of nature, and Jessica Jassy <laughs> is supposed to be the state of grace. And <laughs> it's about the kid sort of like the push and pull of, like, the kid really wanting to, like, retreat into the state of grace, but the state of nature constantly, like, encroaching in on him in the form of Brad Pitt. This is very edible. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I don't, yeah, I I also don't know if I buy the state of nature versus state of grace thing, especially since I feel like a lot of this movie is trying to convince us that nature is, in fact, graceful. (laughs) Just, Mm -hmm. like, so... is it? Is it? I disagree. Uh, the dinosaur scene has the dinosaur stepping on the other dinosaur for no reason, but then he chooses not to eat him. Right, but that's not graceful at all. But I think the point is that he he did he did display like I in the in, in the Wikipedia plots and <laughs> office that I had to read because it made no sense to me. It says that that is supposed to be a symbolic first act of mercy. That the dinosaur was going to eat the dino the other dinosaur, but then chose not to. Okay.
1: I don't <laughs> okay. I don't know. I feel like
0: Nature is explosive and crude. They show, like, volcanoes and storms and planets being blown up and nature being created. But then they show all the
1: trees. Yeah, but that's what I struggled with. Who are
0: competing with with each other. I don't know. Go ahead, Kathleen. That's
1: what I struggled with, is because, like, I've always taken nature as, like, this is something I think about a lot for some reason. Like, nature is persistent, um, which might mean to be explosive but like it also could be like a flower growing like you find flowers growing in cracks and sidewalk that's not a violent act but it's like it's living and it's thriving but not through violence that's actually like a it's just persisting um, which is how I saw nature and how I kind of saw like Jessica Chastain's character of like she's she's still going but she's like taking it all in kind of um, where I didn't I didn't feel like I didn't feel like Brad Pitt's character was like natural at all or was representing a natural avenue at all.
0: I like that first part, but I disagree with the last part. Is that, I I like the like Jessica Chastain is like nature persisting. I think Brad Pitt is like the other side of nature, which way scarier and more violent than anything humans could comprehend. Is he, he he's like he's very animalistic. He's very like um it's about at the end of the day, it's survival of the fittest, and he's mm-hmm. trying to survive by making him and his children the fittest. Um, nature is not like there's beauty in nature. There's nothing like innocent about it, mm-hmm. right. you, you know what I mean? Like there's a very there's like a cruel stuff goes down in the wild. You know, it's like even the trees, like you said, Mike. They're all out, they're all competing each other, making each other die, making sure that the plants below them don't even get sun. There's like a natural competition in the world. That I just think there's like two sides of that coin, and it's the two parents. And now this movie's getting deeper. <laughs> I, I'm starting to fuck with this. Okay, okay. Will um, you affect your rankings? I don't, I don't think so. Um. Oh, Tree of Life. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it. it, it this is becoming in, this is becoming like a freshman philosophy class now, though, where it's like yeah. I actually think. but well, I also think the other point is that like. Because towards the end, Brad Pitt kind of like asks for forgiveness from Ty Sheridan. He's like, "I'm sorry, I was hard on you. It's just that," he gives some reasoning why he was acting the way he was. I don't really remember what it was, but and also where it's like, where his nature—it's—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, 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 it's not necessarily innocent, but it's also not malicious. I think is the point. It just happens. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's um, that's my okay. Don't so make this back another you know freshman philosophy class. But that's my thing. I think maybe my <laughs> issue is, like. The distinction that grace is separate from nature,
0: mm. or
1: like maybe my issues with the word grace is that, like, I don't, it's like, I don't know. I, I, yeah, well, go ahead. I think that I just, I think that, I think that they didn't define their terms. That's mm. what I will say. And I feel like in any good, like, academic paper, you need to define your terms. And while this is not an academic paper, I think that their terms are very, um, up to interpretation, and that's pissing me off.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think I generally yeah agree. There's just like an ambi- ambiguity there that makes it difficult to fully buy into. I guess. Um, all right. Well, you know what's interesting is, is Sean Ten apparently also didn't like this movie, or he was like underwhelmed by it. He was like, yeah, like I read the screenplay and I loved the screenplay; it was beautiful. And then I saw the movie, and it just like what was in the screenplay did not come through in the movie. Which <laughs> is kind of like interesting to think about. Did he think he'd have more than like three minutes? My guess is, probably <laughs> is that's what Terrence Malick does. He just cuts people like completely out of movies. But
1: anyway. I was gonna say, like, he better not have been nominated for anything.
0: He was not, no. No. The yeah. only nominations the Tree of Life received were for cinematography. Terrence Malick was nominated for Best Director. And I was nominated for Best Picture. Um, Alright. Wrap <clears throat> things up now with Warhorse. Uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Lee Hall and Richard Curtis, based on the book of the same man by Malcolm Pergo and the play of the same man by Nick Stafford, starring Emily Watson, David Thewlis, Peter Mullen, Niels Aris- Aristrup, and Jeremy Irvine, and Tom Hiddleston. Warhorse is the story of a horse in uh, England in the early 20th century uh, who... Is, is is won at auction by a family of farmers, um, even though he doesn't seem like he'd be a good working horse, um, and he's set for like riding or whatever, but he's end up, he bonds with the son of the family who trains him to be like a plow horse, and it's all very impressive. But then World War One breaks out, and the horse essentially gets drafted into the army. Um, <laughs> Colonel horse. Yeah. <laughs> Party, private horse reporting for duty, sir. And, uh, and, and, uh, and 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 ridden by tom hiddleston and it's essentially about how this ho- this horse's journey through world war one um eventually he's captured by the germans eventually he escapes from the germans and uh is found by a french family who's trying to like avoid the war eventually he's captured by the germans again and blah blah, blah. ends up getting eventually reunited with the, the the kid who had him first um what did you think of this movie Lars? um so you know we got to this movie i think we all had, like an eyebrow raise it's like mm. war horse <laughs> not here for best picture this ought to be interesting um i think we were all worried i'll speak for myself i was worried that this movie would be like what the first act of this movie is like mm-hmm. which is like babe-esque um it's like it reminds me just so much of babe it's mm-hmm. like they get this horse and it's like we're gonna teach this horse how to like walk the plow mm-hmm. um and work on the fields and there's like a, a a swan or a goose yeah and that that also seems to be like semi-sentient like following him <laughs> around and like knows who the bad guys are <laughs> I was like, "That doesn't. Is this supposed to be real?" And I like, I remember like asking that. It's like, "Is there supposed to be like a fantastical element?" It's like, "No, this is all real." Um, but like, the first act of this movie does not feel that way. It's like, "Boy meets horse. Boy falls in love with horse. Horse loves boy. <laughs> horse gets drafted into the war." Um, so you know, by the time the second act moves around, Tom Hiddleston enters the picture. Um, actually, this movie gets like significantly better. And, like picks up there's some super cool shots um that we all talked like a lot about like the scene like the initial charge scene where it's like all the like british troops emerge out of the like wheat field mm. it's like so badass yeah, that's, really that's cool. a great scene yeah. um and you know you, st- you you start to root for this lovable um equine protagonist <laughs> i guess um as it like goes through its journey and um i I think there's a nice story there it's about like war and like the horse is is anyone who was drafted into war you know Mm -hmm. he's someone who like had to be raised um and then like got ripped apart from his family and thrown into these tough situations and like got all mucked up and dirty and like had to I mean, the horse doesn't know he's doing terrible things, but, like, had to, like, go through the the, the mm. ringer, right? So, like, go through the mud, go through the slosh, and, like, on the other side, it's like, does anyone even know, are you the same horse anymore? <laughs> yes. Um, so, I, I think there's, like, there's a lot of depth here. Um, I just don't like the first act. Mm. Uh, yeah. Kathleen, what did you think? Um,
1: this movie was more or less what I expected it to be. Um... I think because I, I like I said I kind of lump all sports movies into one category. I kind of lump most war movies into one category where it's like it's going to be an enjoyable watch whether or not like it's like my cup of tea, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I I like the concept of this movie. I think more than I like the movie. Like I I I read the Wikipedia plots and synopsis afterwards just to make sure I had like understood all of the happenings and I was like oh I actually like this kind of thing where he goes like through all the different he meets the different people and he does the different things it's like clever and interesting way to like show the progression of time um, I did not like the first act though I thought that it was like I, I guess I get the point of like the whole like the field and the whatever sewing the field and stuff to like build the character of the horse because mm-hmm. we need to, like, know who that he's a strong, macho, you know, for, like, believe, like, he's, like, a, a hope-inspiring horse and whatever. But I also think it was just, like, weird. I feel like because he's a horse, you could just be, like, the boy loves him because he's a horse. And I'd be, like, okay. Like, I don't feel the need to, like, have my own, like, I don't need to be convinced of the, like, ability of the horse, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be no matter what. Um... And then like I don't know, I think it was I think it's just kinda silly though. Like I think I think that having a movie centered around a horse that travels and inspires hope in those he comes into contact with is just very silly. Like
0: <laughs> yeah. I couldn't
1: really take it seriously.
0: <laughs> I, I think I'm sort of in the same movie. It's just like weird. Like it's just like <laughs> a weird movie. Um, and like I appreciate what it I appreciate I appreciate what's trying to do and what it does do sometimes. But it's just, it feels extremely 90s um, and, and looks 90s in a lot of cases. And it, it it just feels like a... They're trying to make, like, a fairy tale out of World War One is kind of what it felt like to me. It's like a grandma movie. Yeah. It it is, oh, it's yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's also, like, a—I <laughs> actually have a very vivid memory of my grandfather seeing this movie and then, like, Telling the plot back to me in like excruciating <laughs> detail, <laughs> which is just like a trait that my grandfather and I actually possess. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, a, it's just an odd choice and. I was reading about this story So it's based initially... So there's a book called War Horse written by this guy, Malcolm Moore Pergo And, like, the horse is the main character. And it's all told from the horse's point of view. And then I was hungry. Yeah. Yeah, like... Really He's, <laughs> like, the main character. And then... This guy really wanted to make it into a movie, but realized it'd be very difficult to make it into a movie if a horse is the main character. And so it was a play first, which would make it even more difficult to make the horse the main. Yeah, character. I do not how, get how you make this into a play. It was all like puppets. I really
1: want to see it though. It's puppets. I really want to see that.
0: It was like a even really people big... were puppets. No, people <laughs> were not puppets. Uh, it was like a really big deal when it was out. Um, <laughs> it was. It wasn't on Broadway, but it was. Several cities away. I think it was on Broadway. It, <laughs> it started in London, but... Um, it's it just... It feel, It kind of feels like a parody of an Oscar movie in a lot of ways, is how I feel about it. And I'm just glad the horse didn't die. That'd be a real bummer. I'm glad he yeah, lived. The other horse dies, and that makes me sad. Yeah, other horse Yeah, dies.
1: that was sad.
0: Um, I, I, it's just like... <laughs> like, the, the author... <laughs> I remember the author saying, like, apparently this guy was this guy. Apparently, he apparently had sold a few scripts, but he was like, this was by far like the most lucrative script I ever sold. And I hope it. I hope it. You know, I hope it, like it. It gets on the level of, like all quiet on the west on the western front, just like a sort of the the sense the, the loss that we incur in war and the horrors of it and all that. And like, I appreciate your ambition, but this just was not that movie. It, <laughs> It doesn't make war look fun, certainly, and I think there was a there was a theme of like what war does to us and, and how it makes us unrecognizable sometimes, but it's just kind of like corny, and just like a weird way to try and present that, and it just it just felt, it, it's just, it's just weird. It just like I and I was reading about how like Steven Spielberg came to direct it where he's just like he saw the play in London and it like brought him tears, and was like, I need to make this movie. I just can't imagine feeling like that, I guess. I don't know. Um, Yeah. I what Kathleen said was like, I don't like movies about, like, war and movies about sports. I've been trying to make, like, this Venn diagram of, like, movies about sports, movies about war, movies about horses, (laughs) and, like, trying to find one in the middle, but I can't. Seabiscuit is a movie about sports and horses. Yeah. This is about war and horses. (laughs) What's a movie that's about all three? I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I, it. I, I can't think of one. Stallion maybe. of the Cimarron maybe I, not really I, about sports.
1: I feel like the silliest part of this movie is also maybe one of the most tragic. Um, when the horse visits, like the the guy who lives on the farm with his granddaughter, and then the granddaughter apparently dies at some point during the war. So he goes back and tries to buy the horse. How did you know it was that horse? Well, that's you a had question. the horse for, like, a single day. He so heard why about do you it.
0: Have... He, ta- he They ask him that. But, like, how how does he know that it... I guess because they say this horse has been through this and this and this. Oh. And he, like, puts oh, the pieces yeah. together. Oh. And that, he says, like, that's why I came all the way from France to get this horse. They ask him that. Well, he was still in France. Oh, yeah. I see. This is where I came from my windmill town to get this <laughs> horse.
1: But it's... It, it's um... It's, it's just...
0: I mean, how could the blind boy know about the horse? He's blind at the time. The blind original owner of the horse have known it was the horse. That it's... makes a little more sense to me, yeah. though. He, he, <laughs> he, like, rode it and stuff. But he, like... I don't, I don't know. And because he does, like, his special whistle on the horse recognized. Yeah.
1: I wish it wasn't that horse, though. I wish that he just, like... <laughs> I don't know. He does
0: that with every horse he sees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's just a tragic. That's what you yeah. don't see in this movie. It's just a tragic story of a guy teasing horses. This, I <laughs> I have been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption recently, and at the end of the main story, your horse dies. So this did this did hit me kind of hard. Parts of this movie. Oh, that's rough. Um, Poor Buttercup. I named my horse Antigone. Antigone. And then my <laughs> other one was Fatima. Um, but yeah, I. So it, it made me feel things. It just felt like. Even from, like, a production design standpoint, it just feels sort of like... It's like you bought an Oscar movie starter kit, and you made a movie.
1: Do you ever, like... um, So, Taylor Swift has recently put out a new album, and so suggested to me on my YouTube thingy, my whatever YouTube account, is, like, all of these, like, mashups people have made of, like, Taylor Swift songs, and, like, for some reason, Harry Styles songs. And they go... At one point, yeah. Like, during the nineteen
0: Isn't whatever. the rumors of the song? Yeah, Styles about Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so they do mashups with Style and other Harry Styles songs. I don't actually know... I can't, can't name you a Harry Styles song. But these creators go so far as to, like, splice together the music videos... Or, like, just in general, music videos of, like, Taylor Swift and Harry Styles to create this new piece, to piece And they do it in a way that you're, like, yes, this is one music video. Like, some people are just so good at it that it makes a lot of sense. And it kind of feels like someone just, like, took a movie about a horse and a movie about war and just, like, spliced <laughs> them together in a convincing way.
0: I, I don't know. I think there's a very deliberate plan here. I don't get the sense that anything was improvised. Actually, no. I, I get the sense that this was very planned as a movie. It's very hard to improvise with forces. Yes, that too. <laughs> Notoriously tricky. Yes, this movie did receive an outstanding, reason outstanding rating from the, eight, the whoever the people who monitor animal safety concepts are. Isn't it the uh, humane, humane society? society? Yeah. Um, just got that going for it. The one shot I did not like—that was like the fanciest thing I tried to do—was that scene where the mom is like making a quilt. And then the quilt turns into the field. I don't remember that. It, it was a weird scene. It was, it was very strange. It was in the babe part of this yes, movie. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, Warhorse. Horse. Uh, it was uh, nominated for cinematography, art direction, sound mixing, sound editing, score, and best picture. All right. The year is 2011. You received... A, ballot, a ranked choice ballot with the films The Artist, The Descendants Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Help Hugo, Midnight in Paris Moneyball, The Tree of Life and War Horse listed How do you rank them? Let's start with you Lars. What is your number 9 movie? Number 9 I guess is a popular number one, 9. I have Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close Correct choice Kathleen?
1: I too have Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close
0: I also have Extremely Incredibly Close. We all hate that movie. Uh, number eight, I have Warhorse. The yeah. aforementioned War Horse.
1: Wait, I realized that I missed one of them, which is <laughs> unsurprised Wait, one? What? Oh, the Artist. Oh. Mike. Okay, I can just.
0: <laughs> I also. I'll,
1: it's fine. That's not where I'm going to put it. I know that my number eight, eight or nine eight is Hugo.
0: Okay, right. mine's War Horse. Lars, your number seven is Tree of Life. Kathleen?
1: Um, now I have to decide some things. So oh, Tree of Life.
0: Mine is also Tree of Life. All right, three All right. for three. For three. three. Uh, well, no, she chose Hugo. That's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, your number seven, Lars? Six, rather. Number six is Hugo. Kathleen?
1: Um, six is going to be Artist.
0: Mine's the Help. My number five is the Help. Kathleen?
1: My number five is Warhorse.
0: My number five is The Descendants. My number four is The Descendants. Kathleen, your number. My number
1: four is The Descendants.
0: Mine's The Artist. My number three is The Artist. (laughs) Kathleen, your number
1: three is um, Midnight in Paris.
0: Mine's Hugo. Lars, your number two is Moneyball. Kathleen, your number two
1: is Moneyball
0: mine's Moneyball and so all of our number one no our your number one is Midnight in Paris Kathleen yours is The Help yes. oh gotcha um why 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 do we pick those movies why 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 are Best Picture winners mine is just like Midnight in Paris I just think it's I this was to me just like a very like mediocre year and Midnight in Paris is like one of the only movies where it's like I feel like it had the least problems and I enjoy watching it the most I, I agree. I, I was not uh, really in love with this year. I, I think you could make the argument that almost every movie this year except probably Extreme 11 Incredibly Close is like a four star movie um, Midnight Paris and Moneyball are probably both four and a half mm-hmm. but like someone could argue to me, honestly someone could argue to me that like Warhorse is better than one of those and I'd be like oh I could kind <laughs> of see why you might think that I don't know if I'd go that far, but I appreciate the sentiment. I, they're all like they're all like half a star away, you know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, any words on your selection of the help, Kathleen?
1: Um, I think, like, similarly to why you guys... It was, like, an underwhelming year, and I kind of went by the standard of, like... I was talking to Milo earlier about, like, what makes a good movie a good movie to you... And for us, it's very much about, like, it needs to be something that makes me forget I'm watching. It, may, like, makes me forget I'm I'm living my life. Like, I want to mm. be in that universe for a little bit and be able to enjoy it, and I forget about my problems. I forget about, like, whatever's going on. And The Help just is, like, an enjoyable movie that kind of just took me out of what I was doing. And it was, like... Made
0: me worry about their problems.
1: <laughs> yes, true. Um, put that way, it sounds very insensitive. But I think that it was just, like... It, it was enjoyable enough that I was, like, very okay with just, like, you know, putting down everything and watching it.
0: Okay. Um, Any movies released this year that were nominated that should have been? Yes. Okay. I have two. I have The Iron Lady and Drive. I've heard The Iron Lady's not that good, though. I've always kind of liked it. Okay. I've always liked it. Meryl Meryl Streep she won Best Actress for it, yes. right? Yeah, she's very good in that. I think it's a good... If you like political biopics, which I usually do. J. Edgar also came out this year. That's another movie people really don't like, but I've always kind of liked. There's a, there's a third. better. It's, all three of those movies are definitely better than the worst movie nominated this year. Sure. Goes without saying. Uh, but Drive, like, for sure. Oh, yeah, Drive. You were going to say something, Kathleen? Uh,
1: I forgot what I was going to say.
0: Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Drive Drive's like, one of my favorite movies. So, yeah, absolutely Drive. Um, there are a couple. Uh... You could, I think, you could make the argument in like a ten nominee year for Crazy Stupid Love. Mm. Um, mm. Anything with Ryan Gosling, really? Yeah, um, I will. I just,
1: or sorry, you keep going. I'll, I'll chime in later.
0: Okay. Um, there, there's uh, the the uh, the best foreign film winner a, this year. Separations, very good. Um, the Guard is another great, great movie that's like very much scene. Uh, that's it's an Irish movie starring Brendan Gleeson and Don uh, Cheadle. Cheadle. It's pretty great. Uh, you can make an argument for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and I would actually make an argument for fifty-fifty. I think is a good movie. Uh, Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon Levitt. gl Kind of like I feel like this is like this like this era is like peak J G L. In that he's disappeared ever since. Yeah. shit <laughs> 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 well, you going to say something, Gatling?
1: Um, yeah, my hot takes, because I usually don't have them, I would say that I think on a n- normal year, I really like Drive, but I think on a normal year, it would not be like a top contender for me, but based on what I what we did watch, I don't understand why it wasn't. Right. Um, and then otherwise, I don't have my thoughts, but I will say that Fast Five, the fa- fifth installment of the Fast and <laughs> Furious franchise, and it is, in my humble opinion, the best Fast and Furious movie. Do not think it's best picture worthy, but given the I, movies that we watched, I think it should have been considered.
0: <laughs> I Ides of March, I would also add. I really like that movie. It's not named screenplay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of the Real Life Oscar Challenge. As always, I'm Mike Levito. You can find me on Letterbox at Amerimic and Twitter at M Levito. I'm Lars Emerson. You can find me on Letterboxd at Lars Emerson.
1: I'm Kathleen Levito, and I'm currently not on social media.
0: And we've all written things for The Post Rider. You can find us there. We all have other podcasts you can find on The Post Rider, And Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty much it. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, horses and war... Don't go together. Don't go together. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening.